All right, we just finished watching WWDC 18, and I have Rick here, Lynn, and Scott, and we're going to just have a casual discussion about what went on and what's to come. So let's get started with iOS. Uh, they, they were talking a lot at the beginning about the software updates and the adoption. I think it was in the, the 80% range for iOS compared to only 6% for Android. That's the number of people um, that, that have the latest you know, iOS 11 compared to Android Oreo or whatever it is. So um, we see some really good adoption rates from Apple there. And performance, iOS 12, getting started with iOS 12, uh, twice as fast to open apps and uh, just you know basic performance of iOS whether it be just opening apps or uh, during high performance loads you know loading different things and uh, then we saw some new apps so uh, measure and AR kit and so let's get started well it seems like the overall theme of the presentation was mostly about well, overall performance. Uh, it seemed to me that a bigger direction they're going with this, and Lynn and, and Scott and I were talking about this earlier, saying that they're looking at finishing of the back-end work that they've been doing on High Sierra and actually starting to get some you know, real performance stuff that we can see. I think ultimately take advantage of new hardware coming up next year. The good stuff always comes next year. <laughs> <laughs> next year is always better than this year. <laughs> Unless it was last year. What do you think about the new ARKit shared experiences, uh, Siri shortcuts? Um, because it, Siri shortcuts is a lot like workflow. It's taken a lot from the workflow uh, acquisition. Uh, and it, just, it, it looks a lot like workflow. It behaves a lot like workflow, but it's integrated with Siri and other things like that. So any thoughts? I would love to see that work for a number of things. Um, so so far, Siri has not been one of my favorites just because it's been feeling very limited. So being, being able to uh, pre-pack a number of different things will be hopefully quite helpful. Um, even just, especially, especially trying to tie it into things like, oh, do not disturb in the car. Um, I, want to, I want to get directions to my next appointment, for instance, and I hope this works. Hey, Siri, get directions to my next appointment. So far... I can find out where my, uh, you know, what my next appointment is. But if I ask that question, it'll say, well, it, it'll tell me what it is, but it won't get me directions. Yeah, that's been a limitation and issue I've always found with Siri is that you can ask, make a request for a thing, but oftentimes I'm looking for multiple different things. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I get completely confused by that. So a lot of the, a the logic things, chain. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. But a lot of things, I mean, I, I recognize that this that's not this. But nevertheless, exactly the same that you're talking about. There's a lot of things I will do that will be a multi-step thing, which is fairly common. Mm -hmm. I've got a client right. that I need to come back, but I want to do certain things. And this actually looks like a relatively simple way to be able to provide a simple version of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, I'd like to be able to just tell Siri that this is all I want to have done. But that appears to be more than I can do now, which is unfortunate. I was hoping to hear more about bringing more intelligence to Siri. Right. Especially after the talk of AI training, machine yeah. learning, learning training, machine learning, which comes farther in the podcast. And I'm surprised uh, they didn't talk much about the Siri shortcuts or anything working on the Mac. Uh, there's no like Siri shortcut app that they said would, would be on the Mac. So I, I don't know what we're going to see there for, for Mac OS Mojave. Good yeah, it's interesting. Uh, but they also did talk about how they're bringing the capability of bringing 
uh, apps from iOS to the Mac. It looks like it's sort of uh, foreshadowing that this sort of thing is going to be adding to the Mac because it would certainly be a much richer environment to be able to do that sort of thing than iOS. Yes, it would. Kind of the next evolution of Automator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's probably next year or something they'll they'll abolish uh, Automator and just replace it completely with their new, you know, Siri shortcut thing. Well, I can actually see Automator and Siri more... Because there are certain things Automator... It didn't look like the Siri could do some of the things that you can do with an Automator. I can, but I can see a combination of both those working together where you can create a much richer environment by having Siri working with Automator to do some pretty impressive things. Though it's not the sort of thing... You know, a lot of our clients would do, but we potentially could do some interesting things. Yeah, we also saw um, for iOS 12, um, you know, group notifications and a lot of new features for parents. Um, we have screen time for everybody just to see how much you're using your phone. And, and now they have limits so you can set, you know, I, I only want to spend a half hour on this week uh, on this app uh, each week and things like that to decrease your cell phone usage, socialize more with uh, people. So that was that was interesting. And uh, then we have some really cool features for overnight, um, you know, do not disturb while you're sleeping kind of thing, mm -hmm. but it's all automatic. So I think what they're really trying to do is encourage people to just use it more often so they can, you know, be with people because I know some sort of uh, news report a while back where uh, Apple was taking a lot of heat for saying, you know, people are on their phone and it's because of you, but they're saying, well, it's not, it's really because of social media and all this, yeah. you know, spamming with notifications and things. If, if it were the f only the phone, yeah, it would do the, what phones used to do, sit there and wait for a phone call, maybe for a text. Um, testing, texting is pretty big, but uh, it does seem to be Facebook, Instagram, um, all the other fun little sharing, uh, Snapchat, yeah, just that apps. sort of thing. Yeah, because I don't think they're necessarily just in the phone. They're in an app on the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what they're Reddit. doing there. Um, but I also noticed that with their FaceTime now, we'll be able to you know, socialize with 32 friends <laughs> one time. <laughs> Which I, I can imagine will be sitting like parties. We're going to have a party here in a few minutes. Uh, get out your phones. <laughs> and everyone's getting together that way. <laughs> yeah, the, the FaceTime was pretty interesting because up to 32 people, I, I was not <laughs> thinking that they would do that. And they... You know, as Apple does, they're they're usually late to the party, but when they do come to the party, they they come right. You know, well, in that, a big way. <laughs> that one actually, if I recall correctly, is an, kind of a revamping of the really old iMessage video chat. Um, must have been close to ten years ago, uh, where they were very happily reporting, "Look, you can have up to three people in a video chat." And look, it, uh, it makes a reflection. Um, uh, but that went by the wayside fairly quickly. I, I don't think many of the hardware devices would, would actually support it, let alone people's network connections. Yeah, it looks like a really easy way to do teleconferencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a nice way to do it, too. And it's, it's nice because I imagine on the Mac it's going to be the same thing. They didn't talk about the FaceTime with 32 people going on the Mac as well. I can't imagine it, it wouldn't, but... Right. They didn't talk about that. And so it could be used for conference calls and things like that at, at businesses and like a, a free solution, you know, for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I It's cool the way that it, it automatically puts the people that are talking up front. And so that that's why it could be used widely at, at business meetings and things like that, because 32 people on a on a regular like that's, Skype call. Yeah. You can barely see anybody, but it can really, you know. Yeah. Auto auto talking Zoom is uh 
I'm sure they have a better name for it. <laughs> does, does look really good. ATZ. <laughs> yep. But it seems like it, it might be a natural addition to uh, Apple TV. They use a lot of conferences, but it would be nice to be able to basically plug a camera into Apple TV with that and be able to have, you not have to use a computer to do that basic relative. Yeah, like a wireless camera solution for the Apple TV, and then you can do yeah. your FaceTime calls that way. And then that would be 32 nice people on an Apple TV would look a lot better, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Along with that 32-foot-long you know, video <laughs> camera or that monitor they had up there. Yeah, and I can't imagine why Ooh, yes. with the Apple TV remote we can't do just like what they what they were showing on the Apple Watch where we had, um, even though it's a video call going on and you're, if your friends invite you, look at your watch, you can join it um, you know, within, with just audio from your watch. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be video and I, there's no reason why they can't do that with Apple TV and the Apple TV remote. Well, the other thing I was thinking would <laughs> be interesting is a combination of FaceTime with 32 people and the, the new Memojis <laughs> and AR kit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can make your, your boss a, a koala while you're but on you, the video. You can have an AR <laughs> environment where you have everybody there, but they're actually like some other kind of persona <laughs> but using their poison. <laughs> it's a natural thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, another thing we saw was uh, obviously... Memoji, uh, being able to make your own uh, and emojis with the iPhone 10, so kind of their plug for getting an iPhone 10, because uh, we've heard about the the slump in sales or uh, with with the iPhone 10, uh, and and just they you know reports of cutting it off early. I don't know why they do that, but uh, mm-hmm. this is kind of their mid year plug for getting people to to get the. You don't think so? That they they. They've got new phones coming up. They do such scale. They've got to start scaling down what they're selling because they've got new ones that are coming up. Yeah. With as many as they've mm-hmm. got going on, they probably are starting to manufacture really soon now to be able to have enough available for when they do ship in September. It yeah. takes a long time to get these things built. That and true. That and every year we hear there's a slump in sales. Well, right. yes, there <laughs> is yeah, because is. when there's when you know there's going to be a new phone coming out next year, you're probably going to wait. Uh, there's a surge and there's the slump. Yep. which is really the recovery from the surge. But it seems like that because Apple doesn't really announce those numbers, they're getting that, that supposed downturn from asking the manufacturers what's mm-hmm. happening. Well, of course they're getting fewer calls or they're getting fewer pieces of hardware. One is that Apple is initially going to want to make sure they've got a huge amount of these devices built. And then you're going to peak and you're going to now start needing to start getting to the next one. Right. So, of course, you're going to have a slump. Yeah, but every exactly. single year, they seem to ignore the idea that, well, this is going away and a new one's coming up. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about that. And so, um, moving on to more just in the Apple Watch uh, realm of things, I, th- I think there's a lot of good uh, things in WatchOS 5 that are coming up for us. Um, I thought th- uh, there's a lot of stories coming out recently about how Apple Watch is saving lives. Um, I heard a report about a man in New York. They talked about... Uh, a man who fell in, a, you know, the water, and they were able to, you know, call quickly with emergency SOS, uh, and just elevated heart rate notifications. I think it's pretty incredible that just a watch on your wrist can save, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah. I use mine all the time, and and as, as I find time goes on, I use it more and more. It's it's handy to have. I, I especially like the the LTE. It's it's yeah. nice to be able to go out the door, and leave the phone at home, but be able to call or get a call if if I really have to. Yeah, but you can still turn it off, which is nice. Yes. Because it is, yeah, sometimes I want to get away from the phone as much as I never seem to anyway, but. Right. 
Yeah, and they prided themselves on uh, integration mm-hmm. with uh, you know the Siri shortcuts on the Siri watch face mm-hmm. on Apple Watch. And I think that'll be really neat because then we would have a shortcut to whatever you're making in Siri shortcuts mm-hmm. and you can run it from right the right through the watch. And uh, you could probably do more advanced things with the, the, the cellular capability, being able to run those Siri shortcuts while you're not at home or while you left your, your mm-hmm. iPhone at home. Ooh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or dangerous. Can you imagine <laughs> if they don't have security built in that people are doing things remotely to, to your watch. Yeah, and I, I think a nice addition... Scott's <laughs> thinking about this. How can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think a nice addition uh, is the auto-starting workouts because a lot of people yeah. that have Apple Watches, especially new users, they're not always going to remember to start a workout whenever they're uh, you know, just using their, their watch or going for a walk or something. <laughs> so it reminding you, hey, start a workout, I think it could encourage people to you know, just work out more. And That one is pretty big. I'm definitely not a new user but how often do i forget to start a workout about 90 percent of the time yeah so that uh, that will be quite helpful and stop it I was, yeah. I was rowing and it was like it was i could remember to start it then I'm, I'm half an hour later mm-hmm. i'm making you know it's like oh damn it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then there's no way to you know say hey this is when i stopped and then it delete all the data yeah. right after that so retroactive yeah. it either says yeah, you burned yeah, like yeah. so it either says you burn 900 calories while you're driving or you know you have to just you delete burn it all calories while you're driving well, you are you are an intense driver <laughs> Right? Or is that because you're driving with Paul and he's the intense driver? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I felt like uh, with tvOS this year, uh, they were kind of just, it was all mouth, but really no no new features because they were just kind of yeah. saying, don't you love using Apple Music on an Apple TV? And don't you love looking at this? And don't you love it? But they, they didn't really introduce anything new other than Adobe Atmos um, support. And it, it was the only, the only platform that's able to do that. But still, it didn't seem like they were really making the effort with Apple TV this year. Oh, come on. They're really enhancing screensavers. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, it is now, actually pretty cool. Screensavers, <laughs> you know, screensavers are going, you know, they're going into space. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't do a lot of Apple TV, so I can't speak to that too much. But um, the, the zero sign-in looked pretty huge to me if well if that ever comes to comcast uh yeah <laughs> just, i mean and if they could if they could somehow extend that to netflix and hulu and and those services that would be fantastic mm-hmm. i don't know how many times i've tried i've had to walk through setting up someone's sign in on an apple tv that is not fun yeah no it's... well yeah but i mean it's a lot easier when you can just use their phone because it pops up and says hey enter text input you know, for your Apple TV, and then you can just uh, use that whenever you're typing in emails or passwords. So that makes it a lot easier for for typing. Yeah. I I yeah. cannot use the the remote to type. It's pretty bad, especially because it's going ABC instead of you know yeah. Acuity keyboard. So um, we also saw uh, for for macOS, there's a lot of big improvements. macOS Mojave. We got uh, you know dark mode, which is going to be really nice. Uh, it works in you know Safari, Notes, and I'm imagining. That in the future they'll they'll let developers take advantage of that uh, in some way because I I can imagine third party apps won't just support dark mode magically they'll have to do something yeah. so should be some sort of API for that I would think I imagine yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you would think that there'd be a easy way for them to say you know different yeah. 
ways to, to change the, the colors, different elements of the application. Well, it actually would be also a way to make sure that um, companies modernize their OS or their mm-hmm. uh, their apps. Their apps. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 32 apps are going away, but they'll potentially still work somewhat. But if you can tell because it doesn't look like a modern app that it's not a modern app. Because right now you really can't tell the difference unless you look up to see whether it's 32 or 64. Mm-hmm. But now you'd be able to find out. And actually, yeah, some, it looks like you, there have been some good UI improvements they've had in the interface. It's just a lot of companies haven't taken advantage of those, which is a shame. Yeah. And this well, really encourages that. I heard that they were uh, alerting macOS users about, uh, you know, 32-bit apps mm-hmm. when you open them, just like they did on iOS. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, quite, the, the trick is trying to is to find them, and to either get rid of them and or get in touch with the developer saying what's going on. I've been getting more notices about things, even common uh, apps I use that are, are not optimized for for Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine that probably get worse. So what about uh, what about stacks? Because that seems like it's uh, it's a really good thing, but it's also, you know, not the best thing. Just becoming not very organized on the desktop, considering if you already have folders or all this stuff. Uh, how do you think that's going to work? I think it's going to require some effort um, to train users to actually use the feature. But I think what they do when they once they do, it'll be a much simpler thing. I mean, I watch my partner all the time, and every time I have to touch her her MacBook Air, I, honey. Your desktop's got 60 icons on the desktop. It's, Only 60? It's time to clean them <laughs> off. So if we can if we can work with users to show them how to use this feature, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a big bonus uh, to help keep things clean. And, and like we were talking earlier, it could also uh, help improve the speed of the machines because mm-hmm. now yeah. you don't have 60 things that the Mac thinks are open windows. And I, uh, Hopefully it will be, it looked like it was implemented better than uh, Apple's last attempt at stacks. I just had to look it up. I knew it sounded familiar. It was bad. It, yeah, it's the little download, yeah. the folders in the dock. And those, uh, I have not run into a user yet who actually likes to use those or knows how. It's um, unintuitive now. No. Yeah. And, and if you have more than three or four items, it's also not terribly helpful. Right. So, I, as we were talking about earlier, though, there's two issues I can see that being a problem with this. One is if, if things are being put into stacks automatically, I can know a lot of users that wouldn't necessarily know that's happening and would be confused mm-hmm. about where things went. The second thing we were talking about is it's, it looks like it's organizing uh, by type, mm-hmm. but not everybody knows what type of file they're working with. They just know, as we talked about earlier, that they've got a they've got an image of their kids. That's mm-hmm. what they've got. Well, it could be PDF, it could be a JPEG, it could be lots of different things, and those potentially would go in different stacks. And yeah, I can see issues. Well, it's, <laughs> coming yeah. up. That's also complicated a bit because by default the app type is turned off. Yeah, and so yeah. it would make it hard to identify unless you went in and and turned that feature off or turned that feature on so that you could see the file extension. Right. That's true because it's it although it makes it look uh, you know more clean a user that's using stacks you know because macOS hides the extension by default right. uh, you know it looks cleaner but they don't necessarily know where it's going because uh, right. just you know they they don't know and the interesting thing would be you know pages has you know dot pages mm-hmm. so it's like is it gonna sort it by pages all go in one folder and Keynote goes in this because they're all, you know, dot key it, dot. It, it vaguely looked like a documents in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a PDFs and a photos, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it will conglomerate multiple image types and document types. Um, and I suspect that it's uh, relying more on uh, the icon itself 
uh, and mm-hmm. um, uh, and hopefully people's knowledge of what they just did, you know, as far as uh, determining what uh, identifying what kind of app it is uh, from the user's point point of view. That's true, and and documents which, which doesn't work now and probably won't work then. But <laughs> it's, yeah, but uh, documents is is very vague. So um, even though you know pages numbers keynote say they all go in there, mm-hmm. uh, people won't necessarily they could have so many of those documents that it won't necessarily be helpful because if they have 60 things on the desktop and 40 of them are considered documents, then when it goes in the folder, it's not going to really help because there's 40 things in the folder per se or stack. Well, it, I, I think it will help because what uh, if you have that many items on the desktop to begin with, it doesn't help to have them on the desktop because you have so many that you can't really sort through them. Mm-hmm. And at that point is when you, I think we start seeing users with that one stack of doc, not not stack, but that one pile of documents up in the upper right corner because it ran out of room mm-hmm. on the screen. Um, so, you know, for that, for the user who has that many items, I think they'll be able to open that folder and that stack folder and, and look through and see what they've got. Um, and hopefully it comes up in a, in a nice icon or detail viewed much like the Finder does already. Mm-hmm. I, I don't recall from the keynote whether it does. It, it looked like they were putting up some good size icons. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe because they were showing it in icon view, uh, but still it looked like there were good rich icons there which would give the user a clue of what was in the file. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that would look when you're looking at the at the Finder, the desktop from the list view, say, or, yeah. or whatever. The other thing I was thinking is they were, they were talking about machine learning within this, and it seems like they were doing, they had some of this built in with some of the apps, but if there was some intelligence built into this so it could sort of recognize that these particular files are used commonly, or even just face mm-hmm. recognition, so they know that, you know, Jane's pictures go into this folder, or some, some variation, mm-hmm. but it would help you to organize things, because people don't uh, think about things in terms of file types. They think of right. what its content is. This mm-hmm. is our contract, or this picture. is like my, my, my kids' pictures. That's mm-hmm. what they think of. They don't think about JPEGs or PDFs. They just think about the content. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't have to. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's user friendly. That was one of the problems I found with that. It was it was more OS centric at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's early. Yeah, and uh, segueing tying in you know iOS with macOS. I be- I think that. We should see, you know, interactive notifications on the Mac because you can. I, I believe in mail. There's a mark is red, you know, that comes up mm. in the corner when you get a mail notification. But uh, it seems like we could we could use that kind of deep integration like they have now with the Apple Watch and you know iOS with the Mac. They didn't talk about it, but I just think it'd be a really useful thing, you know, to tie in apps like that. And that kind of goes with them talking about uh, bringing you know iOS apps to the Mac where they're utilizing AppKit and UIKit. So they said with barely any code changes, a developer can port their iOS app uh, to a Mac, and it seems like it would work really well. well that would be nice. I mean, cur- currently, uh, a mail notification, great. I can open up that mail, and I can get rid of the notification. Yeah. That seems to be about it. Um, but, you know, it seems, it seems like uh, on mail in particular, because I get so much mail... It, it's nice to be able to have favorites, but it's somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if the mail app was also noticing that with certain people that come in and certain types of email that I have coming in that I'm always doing certain things with it, that it would put them in some sort of interim spot. Right now, basically, it's spam, rot spam. But 
there's that aspect, but there's also, okay, I may not simply wanted to be reading these sort of things. And there's uh, Spark I use as a mail app sometimes. It it's, has some intelligence built into it, but mm -hmm. it would be nice to be able to have more for, for clearly the people and types of things that I know I do normally look at and want to look at that flows to the top much much more quickly and that there's mm -hmm. an inner place where th everything else can go that I can decide what yeah, I want to do. I, I think Google has tried that with the promotions and social uh, tabs and I think Microsoft is trying it with Outlook with uh, Focused and other stuff. Still not quite there yet. Um, and both of those, I don't know, I find kind of annoyingly difficult to use. Uh, I, I could see Apple being able to come up with some kind of fairly intuitive way for that to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, now we're getting into feature you know, <laughs> feature requests and uh, wishful thinking. But, you know, I think part of what we, we saw here wasn't just, it was talking about some features, but I think in, in some ways it was talking about implementation of mm. specific technologies that allowed that. And I imagine with a lot of developers, they're seeing possibilities of, oh, I could take advantage of those and I could do X, Y, Z with them. And mm -hmm. interesting things that wouldn't necessarily be obvious to a lot of people, but in their own area, suddenly, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, where you mm -hmm. can take a combination of a couple of different things and make something really interesting happen yeah. out of that. And to, to, to make things that much easier. For example, again, we talked about the, uh, the shortcuts and all. We, I've always wanted to have some kind of an app that would sort of follow my day. So when I'm going to clients, it would keep track of my mileage and my time at the, at the client and then and, and mm -hmm. just sort of keep track of their mundane aspects of a lot of stuff that I haven't spent time getting down and just doing, right. you know, and it could be 80% of that, which would be huge for me. But again, all the technology essentially mm -hmm. is there to do that. It just has to be implemented in such a way they can do that. Right. And we also saw, uh, you know, keep with, with the Mac OS topic here. Uh, we also saw, you know, screenshots and some interesting features that kind of go along with our, our iCloud, you know, cut and copy thing from last year, uh, the con continuity camera. So you can have, uh, say that you're going to drop something into a keynote or a pages document, and it looks like you could just highlight it, maybe, you know, right click and say insert something from your phone here, and then your phone would just pop up and you could take something. And so th that's kind of like uh, in addition to your, your cut and copy you know, iCloud cut and copy from last year, right. which I think could be useful for a lot of things because I already use the, you know, iCloud cut and copy a lot. Oh, yes. Yeah, and especially since it's got markup tools built into it, mm -hmm. which gives it a lot of flexibility. It cuts a step out. You don't have to open it, reopen it oh, again. Some yeah, you don't have to app. open it in Photoshop right. or Pixelmator or something and make edits and then drop it in. You can do some, some simple edits before you even insert it in the device. Yeah. It was a nice, nice feature. I like that integration. Right. And uh, we're also seeing, you know, voice memos, stocks, uh, news, and home coming to Mac, which is their demo for that, you know, iOS apps right. coming to Mac thing. So they're going to test that. Mm -hmm. And the developers will, will be able to do that uh, in starting in 2019, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just going to open up a whole bunch more pop, uh, possibilities because it's the reason why you don't see a lot of popular apps from you know, the iOS store on the Mac. I mean, there's a lot of them, but it would just make it a lot easier instead of the developer de dedicating a lot of time. It sounds like it's going to be able to, to be done really quick and possibly like an auto-migration thing in Xcode uh, for developers like they have when you're migrating to a new version of Swift. Well, I was struck by that. I, I wondered, I don't do much iOS gaming, but I, I use games on my Mac um, 
and it, it seemed to treat there were some intriguing iOS apps that are so I think so unlimited by the hardware and the, the size of what you can do with a, a small screen that if they could be transitioned to a Mac with a much greater power that potentially could have with a much bigger screens that they and with metal we we potentially could see that I don't know it's possible that Apple becomes like a major game developer well, you get a different set of controls when you move from an iOS device than you do to a Mac which is going to make the going to make the game has the potential to make the game on the Mac a lot richer than it is on iOS just simply because you got additional controls yeah yeah that's true uh, we also saw a, the intuitive uh, you know quick action thing where you could say on a, a new MacBook Pro force touch to uh, force click to look at a document and peek at it and now you can do markup so without even completely opening uh, the document uh, their example was you could just put a signature in there by you know signing it with your with your finger and that could be very useful for productivity I, I think we saw a lot of productivity mm -hmm. uh, related features for for this Mac OS a lot, a lot of workflow yeah and I think markup is a is a it's an underused feature I, I don't think many people especially with the new MacBook Pro they don't even know what force force clicking is yeah. in fact in one instance they hated it so much they wanted me to turn it off for them because it was like <laughs> It keeps popping up with the dictionary, and I don't even know. And <laughs> so it's a useful feature, but you got to know how uh, to use it. Yeah. Do, do you notice any of those problems? Um, I I haven't had too many of those. Uh, I think most of my most of my clients are keep their MacBooks for a while, so they may not even have noticed that they have force click, or they may not have it actually. Um, I know for me, it's been a little bit difficult. On, uh, at times, I will. Uh, force click a little bit too hard um, uh, although I don't know my worst problems really have been on the phone and I just want to rearrange apps I don't want to mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to do the, the deep click but um, yeah I, I, I haven't seen too many and uh, we also saw a lot of improvements with uh, Safari in addition to their, their tracking protection from last year now we have the the fingerprinting, uh, yeah. you know, where we're now it's it's going to be it's going to take Tor's perspective on browsing where, like when you're using Tor, they don't want you to make the the window the full sky the full size of the the screen because that will expose your screen size which can expose the model to your mm. computer, uh, to the website. So I think Safari is taking some, uh, you know, pages from from Tor's book and helping keep users safe at the same time. I, I read an article a while. A while a while back that uh, was saying the the companies that that collect and harvest user data uh, they didn't like Apple because they said that that's taken <laughs> right. away a whole bunch of their revenue because now they can't get because it's on by default it's not like you have to turn it on so but I, I, I think that there's gonna be a lot of uh, innovation with the the fingerprinting and it's gonna keep you know people safe and it's just another mm -hmm. reason to you know support Apple with their their privacy stance well, I think they have to go that direction just because I think increasingly, I know certainly my attitude to some degree tends to be, I just tend to kind of avoid certain things because I'm just afraid of going into a snake pit. And uh, I've certainly heard from clients that are just so frustrated by a lot of the stuff that's happening. And I know the attitude right now seems to be that taking advantage of a user for business purposes is completely legitimate no matter how you do it. I have never been of that attitude. And be able to have a way to be able to protect someone's experience so that they can actually get stuff done or mm -hmm. do what they need to do without having to worry about going into the snake pit. 
That's that's just huge because I'm just so I'm very frustrated, increasingly frustrated by it. And I'm getting more and more people going, "How do I stop this stuff going on?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not to me. That's that's not legitimate business. Uh, there are ways for us to get the word across to a client if we need to do business, but it shouldn't be forcing something down somebody's eyeballs. And uh, we also saw, you know, eGPU support, which came, I believe, did it come with the the MacBook Pro? In 2017, because they said it was previously. Yeah, it, I, I don't yeah, know how if, long. It's if I recall correctly, you can indeed uh, with the Thunderbolt three uh, fire up one or multiple eGPUs. Um, it was also part I, of I the OS they, upgrade. Yeah, OS, and I, th- I think it may actually have been with the 2016s, uh, but I'm not entirely certain. I think you're right. I think it was originally supported the the original Thunderbolt. Just there's too little throughput on those to be able to make it that usable. Yeah, but I'm surprised now you can now you can also connect eGPUs to you know the iMac Pro, which is already the fifteen thousand yeah. uh, dollar or over uh, computer that that already has uh, you know really nice GPUs and and this a, might a really be a nice very, CPU. This might be a very pretty gaming rig. Mm. Yeah, I think Apple's trying to invest themselves in uh, the gaming industry to win over you know a lot of PC people mm-hmm. who the only reason why they have a PC is for gaming. And we saw that with you know their AR advances uh, last year and and being able to connect a, a headset to to the iMac Pro. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm wondering whether it'd be possible to be able to extend an Apple TV with that capability to be where you can take an Apple TV. Probably going to be u- using it for is, is gaming, but be able to enhance its its ability to run more sophisticated apps by having an external and or a new Mac Mini. That, that could be you know, you're not looking doing a lot of Mac Pro kind of computing but you want to do like you say gaming on it it could be even if apple doesn't develop those if it's possible to do mm-hmm. it it seems like it, i can imagine a lot of companies doing that yeah so uh we also saw a lot of you know advances with core ml and uh ar kit in fact core ml uh, 2 came out and, and that's going to be useful because they said that now you can train a, a model a core ml model developers could use, use this a lot on on their macbook pro and the reason why that would be really useful is because they they gave the example of a company that took it took 20 hours or something just to compile their their model mm-hmm. and it was 90 megabytes. And after CoreML 2 came out, if they compiled the same model on a MacBook Pro, uh, it compiled in a little over 20 minutes, and it was only like three megabytes instead of compared to 90. And that that's insane. That's a huge huge increase. I think they're they're really trying to let everybody, not just the really uh, advanced and uh, high up developers, access a lot of this, you know, really mm-hmm. innovative technology, and to be able to you know expose everybody to it. I think you're right. I think you're right. And and again, with the, as we mentioned earlier, the with new hardware coming up with highly much more highly optimized software and OSs. <laughs> I mean, Apple's got a pretty good lead with a lot of this stuff, but it's going to be insurmountable after that. I mean, what, you're what, two years ahead of hardware on the Android side? Oh, at least. And we're, you know, we've got some really good high-end uh, Macs, but, you know, if Mac Pros finally do come out and they do have capabilities with new eGPUs and, uh, and these others, man, we're, we're looking at some amazing stuff. Yeah. So how do you feel uh, the things that were, you know, released at this, at this WWDC 2018 are going to uh, hurt competitors this is talking, you know, Apple Watch, iOS, TVOS, and macOS. How, how do you think that that's going to help them compete with competitors and competitive products? 
I almost see the I almost see their see it as two separate markets at this point. Um, with uh, like on the Mac side, Macs versus uh, PC, a Mac versus PC. There's so much um, uh, personal likes and so many personal likes and dislikes involved in that um, that I don't I don't see people jumping ship for the new features. Um, I, uh, on the business side, I see that as even less of a threat uh, because uh, you know any for businesses changing ship and or changing platforms involves a lot of extra cost and any any business large enough to have IT guys um, they're going to be pretty well invested in what they have. <laughs> That's uh, true. So I, I never thought that was much of a possibility, um, except I, evidently IBM is doing pretty well in that area with Max. Yeah. But to me, the natural one was always small business. I've always been puzzled that Apple's never done what, is, as far as I'm concerned, is a relatively small amount to make their uh, their products just excellent for small business. For example, you know, why is there no iCloud for business that makes it mm -hmm. easy to be able to have an integrated system for your, you know, a business to be able to protect the business data? Yeah, everything's very right. focused on iCloud is my data. But nothing really toward a small business. Yeah, and there's family sharing, but it would be a little bit difficult to uh, turn that into a, a business sharing environment. But but um, at the same time, why not? Why not right. have a limited version of that for? Yeah. there's a lot of really well. I'm not saying it would be difficult businesses. for Apple, but it would be difficult. Current its current form, it would be difficult for the uh, right. uh, the users. Yeah, yeah, it's too oriented so. just toward family. When again, it could be just mm -hmm. with a relatively small change maybe something very effective for very small businesses that would love to be able to have more capabilities for being able to do more sophisticated things without having to do it in a more in a more complicated manner. Right. Yep. And I've always been puzzled by that. I never could figure one it out. Of, one of the biggest barriers about moving the Mac into the business environment is the initial cost. That scares a lot of people off. Right. And then that's when you have to bring up the discussion of the total cost of ownership of that device. Mm. And that's where IBM has been such a such a great leader and there's so much data available now that shows how much more, how much cheaper it is to own a Mac than it is to own a PC in a corporate environment because it, it requires like 10% as many support people. And one, one support person can support multiple Macs. And I've seen this happen myself at a company that I used to work for. The CTO decided that we're gonna get rid of all the Macs and replace everything with PCs. Well, we had a division that had about 150 Macs in it. We had one full-time guy and one part-time guy that supported those machines. And when they switched over to PCs, they had to hire four full-time people to be able to take care of what one and a half guys were doing before. Which for a lot of CTOs is a major reason why it's worthwhile. Yeah. Grows their organization. Yeah, I, I've just been involved with that. It's it's. We Disturbing. we had we had an entire campus. It was manufacturing and uh, a floor full of sales and a floor full of uh, you know uh, phone uh, tech support, and they were all working on Macs. There were two desktop support people who would uh, oh, and there was like finance and sales offices too. There were two desktop support people who would go out uh, and physically support these Macs, uh, you know, desk side support. And that was it. The users were able to basically, you know, admin their own machines. Um, there were, there was some back end as far as, uh, you know, sign-ons for corporate, um, right. 
information silos, but the Macs themselves, two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and that's, which wouldn't surprise me with the techs supporting their own machines, but the salespeople and the finance, uh, you know, the HR people, even even they were part of the two people. They they didn't need anything more than that. So it, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And and go back to iCloud a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you remember the the educa- the education keynote uh, in March, but uh, when they did that, the they introduced you know school education uh, Apple IDs. They get 200 gigabytes of iCloud storage, and there's no reason why they couldn't do something like that for at, per user as a starting thing to entice people to get mm-hmm. their right. their iCloud solution for you know small businesses I, I would not be surprised at all that Apple that, that is in Apple's long-term plan because a lot of it's sort of an obvious just have you know Apple to drop in their lap and they haven't done it so much so that it makes me think okay this is too obvious for them not to see the advantage to this but frankly implementing it within schools implementing and different things just to, to uh, Check and see how it's going to work. Well, that mm. kind of makes sense. Plus, you know, why are they building all those huge data centers if they're not doing a lot more right. with this kind of thing? But anyway, we'll see. You know, we'll never know until after actually Apple does it. Yeah. And uh, as far as going a little more into to Swift and the Xcode, you know, on on Mac, uh, I thought it was pretty neat that you could create an ML model and train it within a playground now. Because before, they used to make it so difficult. I remember I was you know, applying for my WWDC scholarship and uh, they made you compile the model in, an, in a project and then you take the compiled model and you have to go in like the derived data folder of mm. the project. It was so much work just to get the model into the uh, the your playground. So now they're allowing Core ML. I, I can't wait to see what people are going to do just in a playground with Core ML. Mm. Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah. And uh, segueing a little bit more back to uh, iOS and watchOS, um, I thought that the the walkie-talkie feature of uh, of the watch, <laughs> I thought it could be for fun, but it could also be very useful. Say in a in a school environment or a business mm-hmm. environment, uh, maybe you're setting up for something, and two people have Apple watches, and you can communicate, you know, throughout the building with just your Apple Watch using that walkie-talkie feature instead of just a regular phone call. I will be interested to see. It looks really fun. I will be interested to see the limits on that. Um, I, The family in the separate tents having their little walkie-talkie conversation was a great visual. But how many places can you go? are there where you, you can go out in the middle of nowhere and camp well, and still have a signal? So... I'm I'm wondering if they're using I'm hoping they're using a little bit of near field Bluetooth for that, but um, and that's the impression I got. There's a lot of keynotes. They they, they show you certain things. It's mm-hmm. not so much what they tell you as what you see. And I think in this situation they made a point of they were two people in the same yard, so yeah. I imagine it's pretty but, close, which kind of negates a lot of the advantages of a walkie-talkie because if a walkie-talkie only works if I could see you. <laughs> right, right. But see, I don't think so because they mentioned it going over cellular, and that means you can. Pretty much, it seems okay. like you could do it anywhere. And when she was up on stage on her bike, you couldn't see where right. the other person was. Yeah. So it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it well, would I, have to be I, close. I never have signal when I go camping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm car camping. Well, that's true. 
But I think they're they're looking at this being well, used in more of a modern. When you go camping, don't you put up your cell tower? I mean, I always do that in the stove. I can't. I have a small car. I can't fit everything in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we also saw, you know, innovation with uh, we we have the the grouped grouped messages now because we saw that on Apple Watch, but we never saw it on on iOS. It was more. Uh, when if you get your notifications at the same time on on an Apple Watch, they would come up together, but not necessarily, you know, on iPhone. So now, mm-hmm. you know, organization in that way. Uh, this release was a lot about performance and and just you know improving the general, the general things that, you know, make your your iPhone an iPhone mm-hmm. and and Apple Watch an Apple Watch. Uh, I think next year, similar to some concepts that I've seen, I think we should have like the when you get a phone call, it doesn't need to take up the whole screen. Or when you, you know, change the volume, it doesn't need to be right in the center and oh, please. take up. Yeah, please. It's, why? There's no reason for mm-hmm. it. Uh, well, it just shows they're bringing back flip, flip phones. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, was, I, I was thinking of that earlier, and I find myself very tempted to bring back a flip phone. Yeah. And the, the watch is separating out into its own autonomous creature. And I, I'm almost... Yeah, I like my I like my plus, but I'm almost leaning towards going back to a, a smaller screen. I want an iPhone 10 SE. Well, SE when the 10? iPad when the iPad first came up, I thought, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for Apple to come out to, for people that need a bigger screen, more capabilities to have an iPad and then a much simpler phone. Mm-hmm. I don't need a thousand different apps on a on a phone. I've got all the apps I need in my iPad, which I can carry with me. Otherwise. <laughs> And again, I tended to always like my flip phone. It was it was small. Mm-hmm. It, I always knew when I was answering it. I easily hang it up. Plus, you can hang up with more authority than swiping. Well, the one <laughs> the one thing about the phone that you miss with a combination of iPad and the watch is the camera. And I use my True. camera a lot. In I fact, I, I, well, if I don't have the phone with me and I only have the watch, how do I take a picture? Well, no, my thought was that if they had a, a flip phone version of the I, iPhone, that would have, oh, I mean, you don't oh, have to okay. have a big camera, but I'd love to, have, I'd love to have a flip phone version, something very small, very easy to carry. I don't need a big screen. We're probably getting apps. into, you know, WWDC 2020 here, but, <laughs> uh, but yes, that would be lovely. I, in fact, I w- we have foldable screens sort of emerging. Mm-hmm. I would love to see this turn into a flip phone. Yeah, exactly. And I'm holding up a 7 Plus currently, but um, that would be imminently pocketable. Mm-hmm. It could mm-hmm. be roughly, it could be yet even thinner um, and uh, and maybe not break when you sit on it. So yeah, that uh, that would be nice. Well, yeah, and uh, like like you were saying, Scott, the, the iPhone XSE, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'd be perfect for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I have heard rumors that you know in September they might make it even bigger, an even bigger plus, you know, plus ten. I want one of those too, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have an iPad for, for reasons, productivity, and your mm-hmm. phone for just quick things. But it seems like more and more we're using our phone for high intensive, high intensity tasks. And well, things I mean, like that. I. The thing is, I, I can think of a lot of situations where, I mean, I've got a ton of apps, but if I look at the number of apps I actually use, it's a really, really, really like small five. number. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I had something that would synchronize all my contacts and all the basic things I need with my phone, that'd be, that'd be 
That'd be perfect on that end. And for the simple things, like if I, you know, if I did Uber, Uber, just be able to have a button right there. Actually, uh, we got from my, my, my wife's parents a really simple phone with big buttons that just does really, really simple things. Mm-hmm. And it took us time to find a simple phone. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was an Android. And it's a pain in the ass to support because you get beyond that simple interface and you were really in trouble trying to figure out how to make things work. Mm-hmm. But if Apple had a simple version of a phone and again, it's oh, a yeah. phone or whatever it was, I mean, I, I think the senior population would love it because it would have the basic things they need. And there's a lot. I think there's a lot of things you could do specifically for a senior population, like like the things where they have the the, the device with them. They fall, my my mother fell down the stairs. She was at the bottom of the stairs. Well, if she had this phone that she could easily carry mm-hmm. on a on a necklace or something, she could have called for help. Mm-hmm. She's not going to carry a big phone. And I can't get up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And a lot of things along those directions. It's a huge market. Well, that's kind of like uh, you know emergency SOS, like we have on the iPhone now. But half the people don't necessarily know that it's there until they are mad at their phone and they click the button. You know, five times to try to get it to turn on, and then next thing you know... 911, can I yeah. help you? <laughs> but, but they're also just too big. People aren't yeah. going to carry the phone. I mean, I carry it because I've got a holster on me, but it's you have to search it out. But most people are not going to carry their phone with me when they're walking around the house. You know, they need something mm-hmm. that's always with them that's, you know, can, can do these things for them easily. Yeah, something you can just slide in easily into your front pocket mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, that, yeah. that's what Apple's doing with the, the Apple Watch. That's what they're priding themselves on is, you know, mm-hmm. emergency SOS and saving lives with the, the Apple Watch as with the, the right. heart rate notifications and things yeah. like that as well. Yeah. yeah, there's some great stuff there. Yeah. But does it flip? <laughs> <laughs> it well, would be the ultimate screen protector case. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it really would. <laughs> well, uh, any closing thoughts? Anything you want to uh, mention before we close? I was Initially, I was very underwhelmed by what I was seeing on, at WWDC. It was... To me, a lot of fluff. But then, as we talked about it, as I was thinking about it, I, I was also seeing signs of really interesting things coming up. And particularly, if, we, if, we, if you take a thirty thousand foot view, take a step back and see it in context of where they are with hardware, where they where they're going with hardware, where they are with the entire ecosystem, suddenly became a lot more intriguing. I think, in some ways, it was too close of view to get a, a bigger picture mm-hmm. about where what the possibilities really are. And that got me more excited when I just took a higher level view of, of where this all what this all potentially can mean and I could I could see some really 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 cool things well I mean that's true as soon as they said they're going to support the 5s still I kind of lost hope in um, you know in, in really big well no I mean I lost hope in them supporting you know or ha- having big new features to unveil because if they're supporting a, a phone like that they're not just gonna support it and take away all the new stuff so uh, that that's why I think it's just the it's, it's that year for a performance release and mm-hmm. you know we got new features on on mac not too much with uh, apple tv some new features for apple watch but it was like a performance year it was their their it, lull. it it is on the other hand um we may have good things to look forward to in september because at least in the iphone department we're in the s year theoretically oh yes Mm-hmm. So 10s maybe, maybe we will have a nice uh, debugged OS and a new sniff, new spiffy device. It's true. So the iPhone, the new one will be the iPhone XS. The, the SEX. <laughs> Which, as the AR kid, had all sorts of possibilities in that whole different direction. This is true. <laughs> it's a whole new market. <laughs> You're too young for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you, Rick. Thank you, Lynn. And thank you, Scott, for coming on. 
I really appreciate it, and you know, I'd love to meet up again sometime and watch next September's keynote, right? Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. All right. Thank you so much. That's our show. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher for an episode every Sunday. Be sure to leave a rating and review in the comments section on colintalk.org or Apple Podcasts to be featured on our website's testimonials. I'm Colin, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.